What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. Today, I have an amazing, amazing, achieved uh, and esteemed. I'm so happy to have her. She's a fabulous guest, and her name is Natalie. She's known as the Financially Savvy Latina. Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I'm representing the West Coast as you're there in the East Coast. <laughs> That's right. We're on both coasts today. We buy coastal on this show today. <laughs> I love that. So um, for people who have never um, heard of a Financially Savvy Latina, who have not um, you know, seen your content yet or who have not read your book or any of the things that you've created so far, what would you tell them about yourself to let them know about what you're all about and your platform in personal finance? Yeah, so I've been creating content. Um, excuse the airplane. This is LA for you. I just heard it. Um, <laughs> I've been creating content um, that's under 20 minutes. So from my podcast to my book series, each one is called Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes. And it's a bilingual podcast as well. So I'm speaking in Spanish too. Um, and I've been teaching financial literacy for over almost a decade. Um, but it's definitely something that's been part of what I loved and learned. Um and been in finance for the past almost 18 years and awesome. uh, being able to create cool content, make it fun for everybody. Um, and I did two TEDx uh, talks on the subject of financial literacy. So it's definitely something that I could say is an everyday thing for me. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. We're going to talk about the TEDx talks. We're going to talk about the book and all the things in a minute, but first, before we jump in, I always like to ask, um, what are some purchases that you've made? One that you regret, like you wish you never made that purchase. It was ridiculous the way you spent the money. Maybe it was too expensive or maybe it was just not worth it that um, you remember and you regret it. And then the second one is what's the purchase that you made that was super expensive, but you actually don't regret it. It was a worthwhile purchase for you. Um, you know, it's funny. I've always been a very frugal person. So there's a lot of stuff I don't regret purchasing. Yep. Um, <laughs> however, I do remember getting a gift and my husband's going to hate me for it, but it was for expensive glasses. Um, and in he, he went with the second choice and it was expensive glasses, you know, like the more than $200. And I hated it because I was always worried that I would lose them. And, and the mm. fact that I knew how much they cost and it was just kind of like, I was never really fully enjoying it. So when I think about fruit, uh, really expensive gifts or expensive items, that's mm -hmm. something that I'm like, really glasses. I, I just long as they work for me, that that works for me. And then one yeah. thing I did not never regretted, um, me, yeah, maybe once, no, but never regretted was um, investing um, in myself and my education. So I do have my mm -hmm. master's um, and, and being a Latina, that's uh, actually even a smaller percentage within the U.S., less than 4% of us have a master's degree. But for that reason, it's helped me in my career in so many different levels. Um, the credibility and obviously the study, the years of that. So um, I look back, it was probably the most expensive piece of paper, uh, maybe not the most expensive I, I own real estate as well. So I think that's something that I um, see being expensive, but totally worth it. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I, I totally hear you on that. I also have a master's, but for me, a lot of the education that I got was I was able to pay for it through scholarships. And I feel like a lot of people don't really understand like that makes you value. I, I still value it, but I also still feel like it's very different when you have to pay out of your your pocket you have to come up with the cash to pay for your like tuition out of pocket is very different because the last the second year of my master's I, my scholarship didn't cover as much and I ended up having to pay a little bit more and that was oh that was like hard for me because I, I hadn't done that before and I never really realized like oh people pay cash out of their pockets for these degrees that I got scholarships for like I never it never clicked for me. So I totally hear you. Like, I think that is such a good one. I mean, when you pay for your school, for your education, you 
you value it because you paid for it. Like you, you really value it. Oh yeah. Mm. I let people know half of the time they're like, why I go, well, my husband and I, we had more than six figure on just our grad school debt. So um, it it definitely, it definitely means it's harder to pay off. It takes longer Mm -hmm. to pay off. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely. I definitely thought it was worth it for us in our career. So it helps. Definitely. I mean, that that's just, you know, for a lot of people out there who are, um, you know, just thinking about like, what are big purchases that you can make? It is definitely in my mind still worth it to spend a lot of money in education, but you got to know exactly what you want to do with it. I think that's the harder part is that people that I know yeah. that regret it is because they spend so much money and then they end up not knowing what they want to do with that degree. And so then they're floating around, they don't know what to do and they have all this debt. That's when I feel like people start to regret it. But if you, you know, if you know what you want to do with it and you have a, a like a long-term plan, you know, generally speaking, you're going to really be happy with yourself for investing in yourself because, you know, education is one of the best ways to invest in yourself. That's that's for sure. OK, awesome. So I want to jump into a little bit about your background. Um, everybody who, who goes to financiallysavvylatina.com is going to be able to find out more about you. But one of the things that um, I found very compelling about your story, especially from your TED talk, was about how you grew up and experienced during the time in the 90s of the L.A. riots and how that really impacted your your experience as a young person, but also how you saw financially like the world. So can you tell like everybody listening like a little bit about how that impacted you? What was the change financially for you when that happened? happened and, and how did you respond? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people can check out my story. It's actually financially savvy in 20 minutes.com. Um, but um, when I started out, um, I'm an immigrant as well. So I was born in El Salvador and raised in, in Los Angeles. And um, I pretty much feel like I was born here pretty much because I was a baby when my family pretty much fled during a civil war. But growing up in Inglewood, California, for those that have heard pretty much any rap song out there. Um, I don't even know how many um, they're mentioned. <laughs> and so during the time of the LA riots, what that meant for living in that type of particular city, we already had a city that was already um, not financially savvy. They didn't have very limited resources. What yeah. the city also provided as far as county resources, city resources, um, meant many of that was not available to us. Um, and so when it comes to you know better libraries, better schools, all these things that are should be equal throughout every every city is is not and right. so um i definitely saw the differences of that the one that was an injustice is happening around my community within my community and if you went a few blocks or a few really a few cities near us that had one of the most expensive and more expensive neighborhoods to live in in la um i really saw the difference of what quality was what um what it meant to have money so that already had a real impact on me as far as um how can I make money? How can I make more of it to help also my community? My, my family was very much oriented around that. And so education was the, the best key that they knew of. My parents didn't get to go to college. I was a first generation college student. So um, I came from, I always refer to people and say, have you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki, right? Um, I read it my freshman year of college. It had just come out a couple years prior and it was the reminder of like, oh my God, this is my life. All of a sudden I was coming from Inglewood, but then my high school, my parents sent me about 45 minutes away to a private high school. And so now I'm amongst um, rich kids, rich families, um, different types of living. um, And a lot of them weren't even affected by the Layla rights. They just saw what they saw on TV. And so a whole different level. Um, Then eventually went to college. um, And then I also studied abroad twice in France and in Spain. Um, All my degrees were finance and international business. So I was amongst other people that either were third generation, 
you know, college grads, people that had family members that were PhDs, you know, make good money, investors. Um, so it was kind of like this world of understanding there's two different languages, um, not just what the poor and the rich speak, but when it comes to investing, when it comes to figuring out what, what the next step should be financially. And so uh, my first real estate investment that I did, I was 24 years old. Um, mm-hmm. really difficult time because it was right before the market crash, but that's a whole nother story. Um, right. and I was lucky enough because I, the numbers, if the numbers didn't make sense, it's not worth it. Um, but then I, I bought really good investments as well. And that really made the world of the difference. Um, and so that's something I do explain to people all the time, because being Latina, being a woman, I was single at the time. So I didn't get married till I was about 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I often got like, are you sure? How can you afford this? Or how, and, and, and back then it was kind of that, I thought, wait, are you kidding me? You're still asking me. And it made sense. A lot of people are like, well, are you going to do this with the husband or, you know, with your parents? And I had to learn that when I have to be confident with myself and when we need to change the system as well, because for the fact that, you know, people that you're about to sign documents with or work with um, are asking you these questions already providing more of that self-doubt that as women of color, we deal with a lot of imposter syndrome. And so, um, that was also more of my fuel that I'm like, I need to be able to represent and show others to do the same. And so now it's been really amazing to find other women, other like-minded people that um, are doing that. And so in 2012 was when my book got published and it was financially having 20 minutes. Yeah. And from that, it just kind of rolled and it kept on going with different types of way of, of creating content. Um, and this is even before I would think I look back on all the education that I had to take and learn for myself. There was no YouTube and Facebook when, Ooh. when I started taking real estate classes and you had to pay a lot of money to go to these. This is aside from college. Um, and so I look back and think of those years of having to literally had to know someone to get into these groups, um, or pay, you know, pay a lot of money. Yeah. And now, now I know that it was totally worth the, the, um, not just the investment, but really worth putting myself first in that sense, because now I can help so many other people. Um, and it's beautiful to be able to see how my family members, even like my youngest, my youngest uh, cousins have been buying rental property and all these things that they're always asking questions like, what'd you do? what you would not to do? And, and it's just beautiful. I'm like, this is amazing. That really is yeah. beautiful. And, and I think your story shows how community oriented you are in a lot of other ways too, because you started a nonprofit after you graduated college. Right? And so that was a learning experience. I recently posted that on, on Instagram because um, I had it for seven years. I don't have it anymore, but it was called yeah. Ellie's Prom Closet. And we would give away everything for free that a girl would need for prom. Um, wow. And this is right after the crash. So think about it. a lot of them were either their parents had just lost their jobs um, or a lot of them were in social um the social care system and so yep. foster care. And so um, prom alone can average $800 to $1,000 easily yep. for clothing, the makeup, the shoes, yep. the, the ticket, hair, the limo, the ticket, <laughs> all the all craziness. Yes. So we decided, um, I got some, a group of my friends and ended up starting this nonprofit and we helped over a thousand girls in the LA County area. Oh, yeah. um, and they got everything taken care of. And till this day, I still meet people through emails that they said, Oh yeah, I was part of your program. This is, you know, almost 10 years ago. And so that taught me a lot on how to work with the great board, work with the right people, how to fundraise, how to get the vendors. Um, and so that's something that's I've, I've applied now because I think sometimes people 
feel like if they fail at their first business or they fail at the first thing, oh, that's my dogs. Um, you know, that's something that sh- that's something that we can um, learn from. You know, but that's right. um, that's right. yeah. And right now that we're quarantined, you can hear my dogs that are just being annoying when they need to be. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so sweet. No, honestly, I I totally hear that. I feel like that is such a good point because a lot of times people don't really think about those little moments in your life, like prom, like prom. Some people think it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal for a seventeen-year-old who's you know doesn't have the money to go or you know maybe this is all they've dreamed of and, and like just yeah. to be able to change that experience for them to make it possible for them to show up feeling confident feeling like special you know that that can really change a girl's life so I mean I just love that I thought that was so beautiful that you that you spent seven years building that creating that and doing that and it doesn't matter if it exists anymore or not I think what matters is the impact on those girls lives that you had so I love that I love that a lot and and you know, everything I've had is because of my family, my friends, and my community. My prom dress cost me $12 because I bought it at a thrift store and then another 18 to get it alterations that had a big hole at the bottom. And I think back of how I was trying to do the best for my parents. Um, and for girls, yeah, like you just said, it might be the last time they get it or the first time they get an opportunity to get to celebrate all of their hard work to graduate. And so, um, you know, I think that's something we have to think about when we're talking about money and investing is we're teaching them to do the same. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And and so you went to school, you studied finance and business, but for some reason when you graduated, you still didn't know much about financial literacy. So why do you think it is that yeah. you know, business, you could learn finance in college, you could have all the fancy degrees and you still don't know much about your personal finances? Right. And, and you know, that's something I, I strongly advocate when I'm speaking at universities across the country where I think... Um, even if you are having, if you have a finance degree or accounting degree, um, we don't have the correlation. We're not taught of what our personal finance should look like along with um, what we're looking at in college. So um, unfortunately we repeat the same cycle. And if we don't come from families that are teaching us this, which most, most of us that um, graduate from college, usually first generation. So now we're dealing with something that's new, like student loans, credit card debt that our parents never had to deal with. Um, These are, these are real, um, not only detrimental to what our future can look like financially. And if we don't know how to, how to take it on, how to learn, it makes it much difficult to get out from that. And you feel like you're drowning from it. So for me, I, I still, to this day, I tell people, I'm like, your college degree is important and what you learn, but um, the younger we start learning, the better, because as adults, we become, when it's harder, one, most likely we're already in debt or dealing with these frustrations. And we're going to make those mistakes for a while until we actually get it the first time or the second time or the third time around. That's right. I totally, I like, I love that point. I totally agree because I I think a lot of the work that I do is also advocating in schools to make sure that schools are teaching this because it doesn't matter if you go to college for finance, you're not going to learn it. And right now the school curriculum does not cover personal finance. We don't learn about budgeting, saving, investing. We don't learn about taxes and insurance, you know, it's very rare in this country that you would get that in school. And it, it needs to be in school because school is like, school is supposed to be the great equalizer, right? School is supposed to be the place where everyone goes and we all get on the same playing field. We all learn the same things, but that's not what's happening right now. And it just, oh, it breaks my heart. It does. And, and it's school and as well as in work. So um, if y'all can see my dog, I'll, I'll just... He is this huge drummer lab. <laughs> he yeah. wants to play. Um, but one thing I, I say it too at work, it, it's it's work and school that they should be supplying these type of um, workshops, these type of education too. Because I, I mean, that my first jobs actually, first clients that I started getting was engineering firms, and the fact that these people were making so much money yet had so much student debt because of the higher degrees. Um, 
no one was teaching them how to, they just assume, oh, you're going to know how to invest and how you're going to know how to pay it down. And a lot of them very much struggled. So, um, yeah, I love that you're doing that too, because I think we need to be able to advocate more of it. Yeah, I hear that. And that is, that is so important that like engineers and doctors, people that make a lot of money after college, they're the ones that really need it um, a lot, a lot because they have all this debt and they, they've been waiting so long to get money and then they just spend it because they don't really know. So I totally hear that. That is, that is so important. Um, Okay. Awesome. I would love to talk about how you decided to actually establish your brand because you went from, you know, dealing with your own financial situation, taking real estate classes for yourself, for, for your own personal development and for your community. But then all of a sudden you decided to go public and write a book and have, a, you know, your website. So what motivated you to do that? You know, I didn't hear, start hearing the word brand till maybe about five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like really hearing it everywhere you go. And, it, and I think for me, it was, I never really thought about making it a brand. I knew I wanted to get information out there. I wanted to have clients. I wanted to make sure I could afford to continue to do this. Um, and it, it, I think it came about a little over a decade um, when people started referring to me, oh, you're like the financially savvy Latina because my book name was too long, right? And so um, I, I found that uh, one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to own what I am. I'm not yeah. just catering to Latinos, but I, I like the fact that it did distinguish. And, and in the finance industry, it's like a very small percentage are women and then that's women right. of color and then Latina. So that's, that's right. something that I use to, to you know, to differentiate myself. And so when I started creating certain content, even my, my first guidebook was not supposed to be a guidebook. Technically it was supposed to be handouts that I was using at workshops and, and people were like, Oh, this is really helpful. And I was getting the same questions over and over. And I thought, why not making this into an actual book? Um, and then I did it in Spanish a couple years after that, because everyone's like, we need this in Spanish. I'm like, yeah, of course we do. Why why didn't I think of that? Um, the podcast didn't come about till about three years later. Uh, or excuse me, three years ago, more than that. Um, and it was because I was getting interviewed on a lot of um, different other podcasts. And so I was like, yeah. oh, you know what? I There's so much more information. Um, I meet amazing people all the time that I know people don't have the opportunity to. And so I started interviewing self-made millionaires and people that are doing really well in their industry. Oh. And um, I think everything always trickles and still is. There's still, I mean, I think you do amazing with your YouTube channel. I'm like, I can learn so much from that. Mine is like, eh, non-existent, but it's because it's part of a learning process, right? Um, And it's also finding what your niche and what you are good at, and then hopefully build on all those other channels. Because I think that's something that if I can give people advice in is, is, is do what you do, do it well in that particular and everything else will come as on, but not try to do everything. And then it's like, you know, then you get frustrated that something isn't really working. Um, So for me, it was like the digital side was really hard for me. So um, for me, it was me building my platform. Um, And for me, I get most of my, my, are people from referrals. So it's like great to be able to see me in live places. Um, And then also pivoting now that we're pivoting, being more at home or doing um, online uh, interviews as opposed to in person at a a huge studio. So um, I guess the brand starts to build itself when you, when you say to your credibility, to who you are, your authenticity and, um, and then just the consistency that you bring out. Uh, if I'm if I'm rocking something that's really expensive, I don't one I don't really own any of that. And if it does, probably a gift. Um, <laughs> but I think people can call me out on it and be like, uh, "You're always talking about being frugal. We see it, and yet now all of a sudden you're 
you know, rocking something really funny. Or um, I recently came out in a, a last year in a Honda commercial and it was a perfect brand because I thought I would buy, this is what a type of car I would buy, or this is what I actually had owned in the past. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a Lamborghini or something that, Hey, if Lamborghini yeah. wants me to do something, it just wouldn't work. People would right. be like, that just doesn't that correspond doesn't with your brand. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's important to know who you are and then what values you're trying to bring um, at least what you can portray as much as possible of who you are. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. You got to be authentic. Otherwise people could see right through it. They could see right through it and they know that it's not your, you know, be, you being honest and transparent. I love that. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, I have one last question for you about your, your motto and, um, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and let them know that you, the conversation that we had today inspired them and that they want to let you know how awesome you are, where can they find you and contact you? Yes. Yeah, so um, most of my uh, social media Instagram handles is Financially Savvy Latina or Natalie Torres Haddad. You can find me in that sense. Um, and the website is Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes. And yes, go ahead with the next question you said. Okay, awesome. No, that was it. I just want to make sure that before we wrap up, people know where they can find you, where they can reach out to you and all that good stuff. So you guys heard it, you know, go to Financially Savvy Latina on Instagram, uh, follow her um, on her website. She has really amazing content there as well. Financially Savvy in 20 minutes.com. All right. So you got all of that. Um, so you guys can take notes and, and just learn so much because I feel like one of the things that I got from Natalie once one also check out her uh, TED talk, which is phenomenal. It's called uh, financial literacy as a foreign language, right? Yeah. It's so good. You guys seriously, yes. if there's one thing you take from today is to go watch Thank Natalie's you. TED talk. Like for real, it's so good. Um, I love it. I love that. And talk. I don't know. And I don't know when this, 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 this one comes out, but, um, it, on March 31st is equal pay day. So the yes. second uh, TEDx talk is called the confidence gap, which is talking about the gender wage gap. So um, yeah, either one, the foreign language of financial literacy or the confidence gap. Thank you for that. <laughs> of course. No, I can tell you for sure, for sure. That was a TED talk that I really enjoyed. It, it spoke to me on a personal level as well. And I was just like, oh, I identify with your story. It resonates with me. Mm -hmm. I love this. So um, thank you so much for being so honest and real and, and, and to put that mm -hmm. out there because I know a lot of people are not brave enough. So I, I love that you did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the juicy question at the end, we're going to take the dollar bill and we're going to replace it with your face and replace it with your money motto or money mantra. What do you want every dollar bill out there in circulation to say that everybody can see when they touch money? <sighs> I have two, but I'm going to go with financially savvy. But I always go with money moves too. So it's kind of, it's possible. Maybe the back will say money move and the front would say financially savvy. Okay. <laughs> that's money my moves, mantra. Financially savvy and money moves. I love it. Love it. Love it. And that's actually a reference to the TED Talk. So if you've already seen the TED Talk, you probably know why she said that. Um, thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you, thank you for coming on, talking, sharing wow. your wisdom and um, your advice. And just like your story is so inspiring. I want other people to just, yeah, to just listen and be inspired because, you know, you're such an awesome woman. Uh, I met you in person a few times and just just your energy i just love it so authentic it's so sweet and i just want as many people to know about you as possible <laughs> oh well thank you for what you're doing like you continue to inspire me and i think that's the beautiful thing is that we meet more and more like when like-minded women and um i just i love it i see what you're doing and i'm like oh the next generation is killing it and it's just what we want to see and i think that's amazing thank you. <laughs> thank you all right love have a great rest of your day